0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm David Owen. Anyone who's had kids knows there are times when they say or do something that makes you do a double take. Just like the growing pains they experience as their bodies get bigger, their brains experience something similar to that. Couple that with the social stresses and who knows what else, and that student's success might seem questionable. How will you, the parent, understand the difference between normal behaviors and other behaviors that may need to be addressed? Here to help us figure out how to help your student is the Supervisor of Psychological Services for Cobb Schools, Jamaica Rice. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, David. Thank you for having me. Very
0: briefly, tell us a little bit about your your uh, personal experience. You know, where, where did you grow up, for example?
1: So I am originally from Kentucky, Okay, and um, I... Went to the University of Kentucky. So, my undergraduate degree is in psychology.
0: Okay. Now, you know, there are bulldogs that are going to be hearing this and just cringing, but that's okay.
1: Uh, Go ahead. Keep keep going. The best SEC is Kentucky. You know, um, Wildcats are um, Wildcat Country. Sorry. So,
0: (laughs) throw in shade within the first (laughs) one minute of the podcast. That's great.
1: So um, my bachelor's is in psychology, and then my undergraduate work was at the University of, um, the University of Kentucky as well. Huh? Um, I have a master's in education and then um, uh, educational specialist degree in school psychology.
0: Okay, so you are, you're well prepared. <laughs> Definitely. For
1: school psychologists, entry level is, um, is an educational specialist degree, okay. and then some of our psychologists on staff have doctoral degrees.
0: How long have you been with Cop Schools?
1: This is going on my fifth year
0: okay all right so we haven't run you off that that quickly then that's that's good all right (laughs) so what is a school psychologist I know this is kind of a rudimentary question but you know a lot of people when they hear the term school psychologist they equate it with school counselor totally different well not totally different things but you do distinctly different things tell us about those differences if you will
1: you are correct most people are not clear as to what a school psychologist does They are two different, two totally different fields. Um, School psychologist is a very specialized field, so we do a lot of evaluating students to determine whether or not they qualify for special education services. So we um, are experts in in looking at learning and also behavioral concerns. So. I think that's the biggest difference mm-hmm. you know we also can do consultation um, we can do and when I say consultation that is um, you know meeting with teachers and, and parents when there's concerns and offering um, recommendations and um, interventions to help like for example um, with classroom management if they have you know um, students that are having conflicts like friendship you know like doing friendship groups mm-hmm. and we can also collaborate with counselors as well some some of our, of our school Psychologists often run small group counseling groups with um, some counselors. But I think the biggest distinction is the fact that we um, evaluate. So we do cognitive, like IQ test, uh, academic test. Um, We do um, social-emotional testing. So we evaluate students, students, you know, working with students that may have autism, that may have um, ADHD, that may have um, learning problems. So a variety of of disabilities.
0: So would it be fair to say that you are using a more clinical approach to assessing behaviors and dealing with them than uh, maybe a counselor would be not to diminish the role of counselors no,
1: but
0: it, very it's important
1: a, work that counselors do it's a, um, a
0: different level of assessment
1: it's a different level of assessment um and so, and I think the other distinction too is like, what's the difference between a school psychologist and a psychologist, um, a private psychologist? Uh-huh. So we we don't make diagnosis, but we do um, help um, to determine whether or not a child is eligible for special education services, if they have a disability. So the biggest difference is the the evaluation or assessment piece. Okay. Um, I think that's the biggest difference between a school psychologist and um, and counselors okay. is that we we do that piece. That we are the only ones in the school system that are qualified to administer those um, those IQ tests and the other the academic testing and social emotional testing. Mm-hmm. But we work very closely with um, the school teams because the counselors also um, work with helping the teams to um, to manage the information when when there are concerns when when parents or teachers have concerns about a student maybe their behavior or academic, the, t- the counselors are usually the ones that that manage that process kind of like the, the case managers over our response to intervention teams. Okay. So um, they will be the ones a lot of time to coordinate and set up those meetings and so um, and and consult with the school psychologist to make sure that the school psychologist is. Involved So we work very closely, like, you know, two heads are definitely better than one in trying to come up with those interventions and recommendations for parents, especially, you know, with the behavior health, because I think that, you know, um, school psychologists and counselors, um, you know, are the experts in the schools when it comes to those mental health um, needs and challenges.
0: Would it be fair to say that a counselor is primarily concerned with helping a student understand their situation, how to relate to others, etc., whereas a school psychologist is helping the schools understand how to help the student? Is that oversimplifying it?
1: I don't know if it's oversimplifying. I think that's a good way to put it. It is a team approach. And I think the biggest piece truly is the assessment piece. Yeah, yeah. And so I would say. Say that school psychologists, I always say sometimes are like they're they're the puzzle makers. So they take the pieces of the puzzle, um, all these different pieces, which may be from the teacher, from um, direct observation with the student, from parent concerns, um, administrators, even from the counselor's concerns, and we put it all together and help the team to try to come up with um, some interventions and recommendations on how we can support the students learning.
0: So if you understand the student better as a team, you can help the student reach that success level. Okay, well that that helps me. I don't (laughs) know if it helps any listeners out there, but hopefully it does. Do you evaluate every student that comes through the door or what initiates the process, I guess really is the question? Because we know you can't interview and assess, you don't need to assess every student. right?
1: So no, we do not evaluate the students we have over 107,000 students yeah. in COPS, so yeah. Busy lady. um, yeah, definitely. So, currently, we have um, 53 school psychologists, and all of our school psychologists serve two or they have either two or three um buildings, okay, and so whenever there's a concern about either students learning or their behavior, Mm -hmm. um, it is brought to what we call an RTI team our response to intervention team. So we we meet as a team to try to determine, okay, so what's going on with the student? What are the concerns and where do we need to go? So do we need, you know, like what types of interventions or what kind of supports can we put in place in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And it's usually several steps down the line where we would talk about an evaluation. So sometimes an evaluation may occur because the team um, has put in a lot of different supports and the student is still having difficulties either academically or behaviorally or both. Or the parent may come to the school and say, hey, I have concerns. My student, you know, I have concerns about maybe attentional concerns or learning concerns Mm -hmm. or behavioral concerns. Can, you know, I would like my child evaluated. Can you assist me? Can you help? So to answer your question, um, it can... The evaluations usually stem from either a parent request or from a school team request,
0: based on uh, whoever raises the concern. Right, of based
1: on concerns that they that they have, um, are, as you stated, red flags, or you know concerns that they have that the student is not performing. Um, were expected
0: so would your rti team most likely see uh, student clients i guess you'd call them in the elementary and earlier years or would you typically see them in the late years or there is no typical it just happens when it happens
1: we evaluate elementary middle and high Okay, and we definitely probably have the, the bulk of our evaluations at the elementary school level, but we still do have a, um, evaluations um, at the middle and the high. Um, students that are not receiving um, services are what we call um, initial evaluations. So those are students where there's concerns but they're not currently receiving services. Right. But then our psychologists are also involved for students that um, are already receiving services but we want updated information sure. or we need, we need updated information to continue to support and help that student, so and it, so we we get a lot more of those at the middle and high school level. Okay.
0: Well, and and that's basically just touching base again. Are, are these interventions we've come up with helping?
1: We're also looking at eligibility, so we're looking uh-huh. to see if the student is eligible under a specific um, special education um, category. Okay. So it's it's really you know I'm trying to make it simple, but it really is complex <laughs> in a little bit. It's in government. A it's government um, forms. It is.
0: It's. All that, well, right.
1: you know, and it's, you know, because that helps us to be able to determine, you know, um, the best way um, to provide supports and services. So it is definitely led by by Georgia state um, law,
0: and you guys work a lot with the special ed department.
1: We do work closely with special education just to ensure that we are in compliance and that we are following the law and making sure because there are specific procedures that we have to that we have to adhere to as well.
0: The middle school parents, or more appropriately, parents of middle schoolers. The middle school brain is a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Would you not agree with that? Yes. <laughs> Professional and assessment.
1: I do agree, and they are my favorite because they are so unique.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> uh, For the challenge? Well, you don't have to answer that. Uh, but how should parents discern between a typical middle schooler brain versus a child who really is struggling and needs some help, needs some intervention, maybe needs an assessment? Are there any tips that you could provide parents who are concerned about their student?
1: I think sometimes, you know, it's hard to know, and a lot of times we will get parents. Who will come, you know, to the school and say, you know, I want my child evaluated because I, because they don't know, you know, what's typical and what's not typical, right. um, especially if they only have one child and everybody's different. Yeah. And so I would say that, you know, um, bringing that information to the school team and having that meeting because some a lot of times we have the meeting and we discuss and we we will, you know, ask parents different questions, um, especially, you know, um, to help them to be able to see. To determine what's typical and what's not, so it's more so, um, how long has have you seen these concerns? how severe, like, how often do you see the concerns? Mm-hmm. Like, just getting them to give you more information. Like, is you it know?
0: a temporary thing, right. or is this a long and term? Some,
1: and also, background, so that background history, you know, does the child have, you know, any medical diagnosis? Um, do they have any, you know, prior concerns where there? maybe they may already be seeing, you know, a doctor or a counselor or a psychologist? Yeah. Um, so just trying to get that background information to determine, you know, the frequency, how frequent and how severe 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 um, those concerns are helps us to be able to let the parent um, to help the team to determine whether or not it's typical or if it's something that's you know atypical and that would require more support. You know, we can also make recommendations and the recommendations may not be specific to, you know, having an actual evaluation, but more so things that can be done at home and things that can be done at school as okay. well.
0: Yeah. So it's not necessarily not every evaluated student rises to the level of, oh, you need to get this child in the Therapy. When you make recommendations to parents for things they might be able to do to help their student at home, what typical or what common things uh, might you?
1: So one thing is repeti- repetition. So if a student is having difficulty with with reading, like learning how, um, for example, learning their letters, we might make recommendations for them things that they can do at home to help. You know, help support their student. For example, you know, using shaving cream to have them like trace the letters in the shaving cream, (laughs) using those little magnetic letters and letting the the student like take the letters and um, rearrange them, you know, to make words or identify. So making some fun things that they can do. And that's just one example specific to reading. Uh It really depends on what the concerns are, because like I said, when we're looking at academics, we're talking about all areas of academics basic reading reading fluency like your reading speed your um, written expression spelling um, math reasoning math you know basic math so yeah. we're talking about all of those we, we assess all it's those areas broad,
0: to say the least yes right?
1: and so it really depends so I just you know it really depends on what the area the concern is with um, you know the academics what types of recommendations but usually it'll be fun things like that because yeah. parents will say well what can I do at home hmm. you know because it you know it's school the teachers they have huge toolboxes so they already have a lot of different tools and things that they're using and sometimes you know you can bring in you know we'll consult with other teachers in that grade level and they'll give us you know like um, pointers and things for the teachers to try um and so we just really try to you know try to um look at whatever the deficit area is and find ways to support it. And, and sometimes, you know, like in innovative or fun ways, you know, um, like I said, repetition is all about, you know, that repetition and that really oftentimes will help the, you know, the student to improve in that area. And
0: not just repetition, but shaving cream. Shaving so, cream. Yeah. It has okay. to be shaving
1: cream. But <laughs> well, that's just one fun one so, the yeah. came, you know, because, you know, because I personally feel that learning should be fun. You know, learning yeah. is fun. Reading is one of my favorite things to do so whenever you know a student's like oh, I don't like to read I'm like are you serious you can go into a whole different world yeah. so I think sometimes you know because the other thing is motivation mm-hmm. you know um, so for, for for us as school psychologists we acknowledge that once these students have had you know um an extended period of deficit, then the motivation sometimes is not as high. So we're trying to definitely come up with innovative strategies to help improve that motivation as well. Yeah,
0: motivation in any teenager is a a real challenge, right? (laughs) So uh, as we're recording this, we're getting close to the end of the first half of the year, and uh, the Thanksgiving and holiday season is, is coming up. Really fast. What what can parents do to help their student push through for a successful finish? Are there any big uh, big picture things that you would recommend for their student?
1: I would say um, the biggest thing is communicating with your child's teacher. Um, If you do have any concerns um, and just monitoring, you know, your students um, progress, Um, definitely as we are going on break, you know, a lot of times um, our students lose some of that structure. Mm -hmm. And so I would say structure is, you know, trying to maintain some level of structure because the biggest thing we see is that after breaks, like getting students to transition back, Uh, um, especially our younger students and some. even our older students, you know, they may check out a little bit. So trying to have some of that structure still while they're on break, they can have yeah. fun, but maintaining structure, bedtime, because I'll tell you one thing that I did learn. Like, you know, if you lose, if you miss sleep, you can't make it up. Yeah. And being able to function, being able to, you know, to attend has a lot to do with, with your sleep. So making sure that they're still getting sleep. I know they want to stay up and they want to <laughs> play video games and watch TV. Um, but making sure they still get that structure because it will really help transition them back yeah. and so that we can keep them, you know, um, on a high and and motivated to succeed. So I would say, you know, and definitely if you do have concerns, you know, going to the school, you know, ha- having conversations with the teacher, knowing that school psychologists do exist um, <laughs> and that we are there, that we, we're more at the tail end. There's so many, that's what I was trying to get to, yeah. there's so many, any um, other pieces that we want to exhaust before we actually um, got to the point of an evaluation. Yeah. Um, but you can still consult with the school psychologist. You can consult with that school team, you know, for different um, specific pointers um, to help your child depending on, you know, what what the deficit area is. But I would definitely say one of the things I would say is just, you know, trying to maintain some type of structure uh-huh. um, and consistency to help them transition and just, you know, um, communicating with them, asking them, so what did you learn today? You know, you will be very surprised like the re- having the student reframe and teach you by telling you what they did, which I do know high schoolers they'll say... <laughs> You know, the conversation will be like we just it it was school and they don't want to talk about it. But with our younger students, you know, like asking them questions about their Mm -hmm. day, um, because that also helps them like to teach you that information. And to it helps them. It helps to reiterate once again so that they can, um, you know, Um, be able to better recall what they learned at school and that the information will truly sink in.
0: Well, when it comes to dealing with minds, whether it's a child or an adult, fully understanding what's going on usually is not a quick fix thing and uh, certainly more than we can cover in just one podcast episode. We could go on and on, but you have definitely shed some light on some key things and most importantly, you've you've helped us better understand your department's role and In in leading the students to success. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming by and taking the time here. Thank you. Uh, So, folks, if if you're a parent out there and you want to know more about uh, what uh, Psychological Services does in Cobb Schools, as always, check the show notes for links that will help you do that. And of course, follow, like, and subscribe so that you can be aware of when the next podcast is released. You can also leave us a review using the link in the show notes. So thank you for listening to the Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.